0: And Welcome to Farscape Friday, episode 24. We'll be talking about the season 2 episode Vita's Mortis. Let's get started <laughs> Welcome back. Here's a quick summary of Vita's Mortis. Dargo, Crichton, and Zan go down to a barren world looking for a Luxon they heard about. It turns out that the Luxon is an Oracan, a holy woman who needs Dargo's help to end her life. Despite Jon's objections, Dargo participates in the ritual, and the Oracan ends up making herself young again instead of dying. As she re-experiences her youth, Moya begins to experience extreme aging, leading Dargo to make a drastic decision.
1: Vetus Mortis. This is the second episode of the season. And it's kind of like the restart of season two going forward after the Mind the Baby the last episode kind of wraps up the end of season one. And so as you can probably guess from the title, it deals with life and death. And it has both the de-aging and the aging or the age advancement trope, both of them in the same episode. What I really like about it is that the aging, accelerated aging trope falls on Moya which they don't recognize at first because she's a strange enough being and different enough from everybody that they don't immediately recognize it. The aging and de-aging thing hinges around Nilam, who is the Oracan, the old Luxon holy woman they find alone in a temple on an otherwise abandoned planet. And we never, we never find out why she's out there. It's just sort of, hey, here's a strange old Luxon lady out in the middle of nowhere.
0: I know. I will admit, I think that that's actually what threw me the most during this episode. I'm going to put this out there. This was not... One of my favorite episodes. (laughs) Really? Yeah, really. Like there's, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot to like here. But I think that alone, the fact that they kind of introduce this question of like, why are you alone here? And then we never get it answered. And then later she's like, well, we I want to go back home and I can take you home. And I'm like, so it wasn't even like she was, you know, shunted out there because she was spouting some radical, you know, ideals or, you know, apostasy or something. So I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> it's I, I'm kind of I'm kind of like Meh. I think of the one person in Farscape fandom who actually likes this episode because
1: I remember when it came out it was panned like no one liked it everyone hated it and I was like you know I kind of like it. And there's a couple of reasons why (laughs) that I'll get to in a second, but I want to go back to Nilam being out there because when I was rewatching it, yeah, why she's out there alone kind of bugged me too. But then I kind of was thinking about it. So maybe she went on a vision quest and she was doing all this spiritual stuff that required her to go into the wilderness, which in this case is the Uncharted Territories. So I could kind of Mm -hmm. hand wave her being out there. That's me purely coming up with it just to make it work. I don't know. But yeah, this is mm-hmm. this is one of those episodes that I actually kind of like. Though, I will agree that I think there's a lot of elements that are really good about it, but sometimes the execution of how they put the whole episode together wasn't quite there. Mhm. But what I love about it is Dargo, cuz Dargo is my favorite. Or today he's my favorite
0: <laughs> i know i was gonna be like we're, we're gonna be like the mom where every single time the kid comes up to us and has like a good episode I know. you're gonna be like you're my favorite That's you got exactly an a what on, on like your paper oh my god you got an a on your paper you're my favorite <laughs> oh my gosh okay so this is a very dargo centric episode
1: and and i love dargo and i love we don't have a whole lot of character growth for him, but there's a lot that he gets to, to mull on and and be active in, which I really like. And I also love his relationship with John. Because John is also in a very new emotional state mm-hmm. in this episode. You know, here are the consequences of what happened to him with Scorpius and his torture and that whole arc that we had at the end of season one. And here's what John is like on the other side of that his hair is all over the place he's all dressed in peacekeepers he's carrying a weapon now Mm -hmm. not just you know it's part of his costume it's part of his person now and he is super protective of dargo like as soon as there's a hint that dargo might get hurt john is like oh hell no Mm -hmm. you are not doing anything to get yourself hurt And Dargo, meanwhile, retains his own agency about it. Like, it's his decision. He's going to do what he needs to do. John has an opinion about it, but he's not going to be dictating what Dargo does. I don't know, I just really love the back and forth between the two of them throughout this episode.
0: Yeah, and I can see that. I mean, there's a lot going on here kind of beneath the surface, which I think really speaks well to the writers and the actors that even even as this is an episode that I didn't care for, there was still enough nice, meaty character growth and, and plot development that I was excited to watch it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So let's actually go back to the beginning because we then we can start kind of start talking about how John reacts yeah to this whole oracan situation so they land on this planet and it's abandoned and they walk into like this castle thing (laughs) and the castle thing is is kind of
1: ridiculous
0: (laughs) it's so ridiculous i'm like who built this well Well, it's
1: it's definitely not their best cgi work because it just looks like they put a picture on the wall of like a medieval castle (laughs) and then tinted it and then just went with it
0: Anyway. Oh, um, my God. Okay. I have so many (laughs) thoughts about the CGI in this episode. I have so many thoughts about the CGI in this episode. Okay. So they go to this castle, and then they immediately meet this orican and i think what's interesting is as soon as darga realizes she's an orican he immediately starts basically groveling like he starts like bowing and he won't meet her eyes and he's like backing away and he's trying to get everybody else out john is like respectful like he kind of looks away like i think he realizes you're not supposed to directly look at them in the face or something like that and xan actually bows which i liked the three of those reactions kind of this Mm -hmm. like trifecta of oh cool you know yeah
1: Yeah, John is definitely taking his cues from the others. He doesn't want to start anything. Right.
0: But at the same time, he's not like... He's not treating her like the... Well, actually, I don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe this is how John would treat the Pope. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And then that's the first time. And then she calls Dargo general. And John is kind of surprised by that. But Dargo doesn't dispute it. Dargo just kind of accepts it. And then we get this scene that's like... I don't know. It's interesting. She like sticks her hand into his chest... And, like, feels around. Yeah, into Dargo's chest, not into John's (laughs) chest. She sticks her hand into Dargo's chest and, like, feels around. And then in the end, she's like, you're unworthy.
1: And you're a fraud, too. That's the other thing she says. And then she throws him, you know, magically across the room with special force powers and things like that. That was actually one of the things I found the most interesting, especially on the rewatch of this, because I'd kind of forgotten like how open this like magic, magical force powers, whatever you want to call it, let's call it magic, that the Luxons have. So this was my world building question. Do all Luxons have this? Is it just like people who are born with special abilities and then they go on to become Orakans? That the Luxons, who so far through Dargo, we've seen them as being very practical, very warrior oriented. We have no basis... Before this episode of thinking that they have any magical powers or special powers or anything, but it made me think mm-hmm. about that old black magic, mm-hmm. where Dargo is one of the ones who's convinced that something evil is going on and there's superstition stuff going on, and Aaron yells at him for it. But this episode lights up the context of you know what was going on that old black magic. I don't know if it's intentional or not, but it does work in a continuity sense that yes, Dargo knows that magic or magic type powers, whatever we want to call it, exists because it exists in his own culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. So I thought that was a neat bit of world building.
0: Yeah, no, it is. And it's like a good continuity. After Jargu gets thrown out, he and John have an interesting conversation that I'd like to play because... I think it kind of goes back to their friendship. And it also goes back to John kind of not being the same master manipulator that Scorpius is. <laughs> like, Scorpius is very much a master manipulator. And John is just like always like a good guy kind of thing. Yeah. Because here he is. He's trying to convince Darga to leave. And this is how he does it. And I'm like, John, you, John, you <laughs> goober. All right. Here we go.
2: In my second campaign, our enemy surrounded us. My general was badly wounded. I knew he wouldn't survive interrogation if he were captured, so I took on the tattoo of his rank to protect him. Were you captured, Dargo? Yes. But my battle unit was freed before the enemy had a chance to see through my ruse. But you saved the real General's ass, right? Right? So tell me, what the hell is she bitching about? I agree with Crichton. Your fraud served a higher purpose, Dago. Certainly the Oricon can understand that. And if she doesn't, brother, that's her problem. You're right. Good. So let's get back to Moya and heat up some Irish coffees. No. You're right that she should understand that. Wait here. Damn. We're almost out of here.
0: <laughs> I love that John was like, John was like, I'm going to tell him that she should understand that. And then Dargo's like, yeah, she should understand that. And then John was like, oh, but I wanted us to leave. And I'm like,
1: what? Instead, he convinced Dargo to stay and, and give an explanation for his actions. It's actually a very friend kind of conversation. Cause you've been slighted by this, this other person. They don't understand the full context of what's going on. And, you know, if they don't want to understand it, then that's their problem. It's not your problem. You did the right thing. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. No, for certain. It definitely is like kind of the thing you would say to somebody over beers or like, you know, like, you know, he doesn't deserve you. You're too good for him. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. And I definitely think here, though, we are seeing a much stronger friendship than we almost ever saw in season one. Yeah. I think that the last couple episodes in season one just really built them into something that's Legitimate friendship and not just friends by association.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, they went through a, basically a, a suicide pact together. <laughs> you know, they mm-hmm. both went on the suicide mission and family ties. They were both with each other, and John had to watch Dargo lose consciousness while he floated in space without a spacesuit. I mean, even though Dargo ultimately lived, that's got to be kind of traumatizing in addition to all the stuff John just went through. The other thing that we get in this conversation is more of Dargo's backstory so we find out that the tattoos on his face have significance, that's what's marking him as a general and that he actually isn't a general Mm -hmm. and was doing it to save somebody. That's another thing i kind of thinking about when I was thinking about themes of this episode and when we get towards the end it'll come up again but the context of actions comes up a couple times and this is the first instance of it so you know you have the, the straight up fact of Dargo is lying about being a general and he's a fraud because of that but then you dig underneath that and there's something else going on and it leads to the questions about motivations which actually comes up later with nilam with the whole aging situation with moya too you know how much do, does context matter to actions how much does intent matter or what you were planning to do with something you know i think that's one of the things that this a- episode is questioning
0: mm-hmm. yeah i would agree with that and i think that it is good to get some nice but dargo backstory because up until now essentially all we've had of backstory from him is like you know, the woman in refrigerators dead wife trope
1: mm-hmm.
0: of, oh, my wife was killed and I was in prison and, you know, it, which is, you know, tired. That, that, I mean, that is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit tired. I mean, and I'm not going to I'm not going to be like it makes him uninteresting, but I am going to say that. It was tired when Farscape was written. Yeah. You know, this isn't something that, you know, now 16 years later, we're like, oh, in 16 years, it's really tired. I'm <laughs> like, no, I mean, it was pretty tired <laughs> 16 years ago. Yeah. But at the same time, I really do like this backstory for Dargo because it makes him a more meaty character. Mm-hmm. And it also makes his his military experience, it puts it in better context. You know, right. because we get the feeling that he was in like a long war and we get the feeling that the enemy was dangerous. And this wasn't just kind of like him serving in the National Guard when there wasn't a wartime <laughs> kind of thing.
1: You know, <laughs> Can you imagine Dargo in the National Guard. He'd be like, let's
0: go oh invade right now. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, we're not at war, Dargo. <laughs> let's go because they're doing bad shit. Let's go. Yeah. To- <laughs> let's go to Canada. We'll invade (laughs) Canada. Oh my gosh. Oh, we're maligning poor Dargo here. (laughs) No, but no, I I think we are because here's the thing, like this is who he is. This is the character they introduced, like the kind of Warrior character. But they also introduced him as like an honorable guy, as a guy who stands mm-hmm. by his friends, as a guy who apparently was willing to withstand torture just so they wouldn't kill his commander. Yeah,
1: I mean, that's what I really like about this this little nugget because not every soldier would do that, but Dargo is the type of soldier who would step up and take that hit for a fellow soldier. We've seen him, you know, stand up for his crewmates and be there for them, you know, even when he still didn't like John and they were allies, when they, after they were just in that situation he still was willing to step up and say okay I have made this commitment I'm going to follow through on it and that's just the kind of person he is
0: mm-hmm. so Dargur goes back in convinces Nilam of his worthiness and she apparently she already knew she just wanted to make sure that he had strength of character that he was but, gonna stand up for himself yeah I guess that he wouldn't punk out when the going got tough <laughs> so yeah. yeah I don't know what's up with my slang this episode <laughs>
1: um okay so anyway after that then we have him explaining the ritual to john and zan because he wants to stay and do it and this is where i think you really see the protectiveness of john come out so i'm going to play the conversation that follows
2: to assist her in the ritual of passing whoa ritual a bonding an emotional and spiritual link is forged john as I understand it, when the Oricon dies, the attendant sanctifies the ascent by transferring energy to her. Strike two. I do not like the sound of transferring energy either. But the process normally involves little risk. How little risk? Oh no, let me put it this way. How wrong can it go? I do not understand, Thargo. What do you get out of it? You know what? You sound like Rigel. Luxon's consider it a great privilege, John, to attend an Orican. No, not merely a privilege. It is the highest honor we know. So you get your name on the Orican honor, and that's it. You also go part of the way into the next realm, John. When you come back, you've seen- If you get back, When you come back, you've had a glimpse of the other side. I envy you, Dargo. Don't. Don't envy him. He hasn't made up his mind yet. Yes, I have.
1: So that's John losing his mind at the fact that Dargo is going to do this, and it's he's so stridently against it, picking at every single thing that could go wrong because he is so afraid of dargo getting hurt and i just just the contrast with anything in the previous season like i don't know it's just this new side of john that we're seeing this emotional mess that's just like oh my god you might stub your toe don't stub your toe you know and it's just like <laughs> in a normal situation this ritual should be no big deal and he is making it a huge deal and mm-hmm. just being super super protective
0: yeah yeah, because initially my reaction, I mean, even in my notes, I'm like, John's kind of overreacting here because rituals are kind of an everyday thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he's like, whoa, ritual? And I'm like, John, like, chill
1: out. I know. <laughs> you know, rituals rituals have been done over and over and over and over again. So you'd think the kinks would have been worked out. And it's a standard way of doing things that more or less is safe for the participants. Now, i caveat lector for all the ones that are not safe for the participants but this one in particular as understood by both xan and dargo who are familiar with it it should be pretty safe
0: yeah and i mean okay i get that if they'd gotten to the part where it's like oh it's an energy transfer then john could have flipped out but i was kind of like john you're you're freaking out like like, before they even get to the scary part, they're kind of at, like, the nice part and you're, like, flipping out. Yeah. I don't know. But then I, I like your interpretation because I think before I was interpreting this in, like, a little more of, like, a why is John so on edge? But I like the idea that it really still is the after effects of nerve, hidden memory, family ties, mm-hmm. you know, mind the baby, of kind of this, like, building up of all the things that have gone wrong for poor john yeah
1: the physical and emotional trauma that he's gone through and that's just manifesting it and he even and he keeps yeah. going i mean he has this conversation where he tries to convince dargo and then he keeps going and tries to convince nilam to put a stop to it you know he walks in mm-hmm. after dargo's gone back to get some stuff from from moya so he's alone with her she gets it she understands that he does not want this to happen and she says you want to ask me why i'm not dead yet and he's like well kind of yeah (laughs) why aren't you dead yet why do you have to do this this ritual
0: yeah and her response is is essentially that she hasn't seen another Luxon in nine cycles and that she just really is afraid of dying alone which makes sense because if you come from a religious order that is never alone when they die Mm -hmm. it would be frightening to be, like, the only one to be alone yeah. when you die.
1: Yeah, especially since it's implied that because of the Orican's powers, at least this is my interpretation, that they find it difficult to let go of the mortal realm for some reason. Mm-hmm. And, like, they have a harder time mm-hmm. dying than normal people, which is a little weird, but I'll buy it, okay?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, or, or like, maybe her, she's not convinced her spirit will go where it's supposed to without somebody attending, mm-hmm. you know, or something like that. Yeah and actually that comment of of feeling lonely and of being apart from your species that's what gets yeah. john like that's the one that john really feels and so i was kind of curious do you think neelam because we know that she has you know some psychic abilities do you think neelam genuinely feels that way or do you think that she just knew that that was the argument that would convince john i think i'm a lot
1: more sympathetic to neelam at the beginning because she comes across as a wise woman Like, she's lived a long life. She sees through his bullshit and calls him on it. They have this very frank conversation about it where he says, you know, I'm worried about my friend. And she says, you don't need to worry. It's out of your control, but he's like, that's what worries me, and I don't want to lose him. And she doesn't bullshit him at all either. She is very much, I can't promise you anything. And then I think the thing about knowing about being separated, I don't think she knows that, but she just wants, she's looking for empathy, and I think a person in in a holy role. Order. Holy order, holy role. But, you know, they're, at least in the human context, you know, they're about empathy. They're about relationships and about community. And so I feel like that's what she's trying to establish is her sympathy for herself and trying to say, hey, look, dying is difficult and it's lonely and it's very scary. And even if you're prepared for it, it can be terrifying. So I think it's more of an asking for understanding than any kind of outright manipulation.
0: Okay. Yeah, I like that. So then... Dargo goes up to the ship, and he and Rigel have this hilarious <laughs> conversation where Rigel tries to convince him to sell Neelam some artifacts. Yes. So Dargo goes back up on the ship, and then he gets some stuff, and he comes back down, and he and Neelam are wearing, like, these robes. This isn't quite white shirt watch, because, like, I still don't understand where these robes came from. <laughs> I think I guess maybe Neelam had them. I think
1: there were in Neelam's trunk at the foot of her bed. I don't think there was a trunk at the foot okay. of her bed, but... Anyway, Nilam. Nilam has the (laughs) robes.
0: So they're wearing like these matching robes and they start doing this ritual and Nilam like causes Dargo's blade to like hover in the air. You know, they do like blood brother thing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It's pretty it was pretty cool. It wasn't. Yeah.
1: Yeah, And they're speaking in old Luxon or something um, that the translator microbes don't catch. And meanwhile, John is sitting outside the door like a guard dog. And he, like, has to stop himself from going in to, to stop the ritual. But the ritual involves this exchange of energy. And Nilam keeps saying, oh, Dargo, you're so strong. And she ends up thinking he's so strong <laughs> that she changes the ritual. So it's not one of her passing, but now it's one of rejuvenation, where she is taking Dargo's strength or what she thinks is Dargo's strength and making using that energy to make herself young again. Kind of like the Wraith in Stargate Atlantis. And so then Dargo is screaming, and John bursts in with his weapon drawn. Very trigger happy at this point. Dargo's fine, and Neelam is revealed to be young again and also very horny because she and Dargo pretty much go at it as soon as possible, making it very awkward <laughs> for John.
0: It was so. <laughs> Poor John. This is like the second time that he's had to listen to Dargo having sex. And it won't be the last. <laughs> oh my gosh, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'll admit, I'm a little bit grossed out by the way Neelam, like, approaches having sex with Dargo, because mm-hmm. she's immediately like, you made this body, you should at least enjoy it. And I'm kind of like, ew. ew. Yeah, I had that moment
1: too, is. That feels like very much of a male sexual fantasy to me. It's like, oh, the pretty young thing wants to throw herself at you because you made her young. And I'm just like,
0: uh, no, go yeah. away. It's-, <laughs> it's literally like, what? Ew. Also, you barely know each other. <laughs> I mean, I, I actually don't have a problem with barely knowing each other and having sex. Like, that one is not what I have a problem with. But I have a problem with the fact that it, it implies his ownership over her body. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that was what kind of grossed me out. Well, yeah. and also because I literally don't know any woman that's like, that would say that. Right. <laughs> of her own volition.
1: <laughs> but it did show. I just want to point out that Dargo's head is still turned by the any pretty woman that shows any kind of interest in him that is still true Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know that's a very consistent character beat that he has throughout this at least from season one to now
0: so meanwhile on moya (laughs) let me try that again meanwhile on moya (laughs) (laughs) kidding okay so actually on moya there's been this kind of interesting b plot that now intersects with the a plot which is that Chiana has been doing laundry and it's like adorable okay like i can't even express how adorable it is. <laughs> so she's like sitting there and she's like scrubbing the clothes in moya's M. Nexus flute and she's singing like this adorable song and i'm like chiana baby i'm so glad you're here uh okay anyway but then i want to play this clip from aaron and chiana because uh, i love them
2: here's some more some of what? Clothes to be cleaned. Oh, no problem. Room for us both? No, I want you to wash these. I'll oh, do you? What, are you-are you allergic to Moisem nexus fluids or something? Just wash them, will you? <laughs> um, when exactly did I become your-your servant? What do I have to wash your clothes? When you're cleaning dargos, aren't you? Yeah. But I like dargo. <laughs> I love that. <laughs>
1: Chiana's doing laundry, so Aaron's oh like, God. I'll just throw them in with hers because she's doing Dargos. I like how Chiana's very inclusive. She's like, yeah, come on in. I'm happy to hang out with you and do laundry together. And and Aaron's like, no. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> there's actually like, okay, there's a couple things that I think about this scene. Number one, I think that Aaron is super, super, super not... Okay, hang on, I think that Aaron is super, super, super not used to doing her own chores. Let me put it that way. Mm -hmm. Because I think that – I know that on the command carrier, she had grunts to do her laundry for her. This was not something she did on her own. And I imagine that she's just been kind of like hungering Mm – for somebody lower on the totem pole (laughs) to do her stuff, right? Oh, yeah. So then Chiana shows up, and, like, Chiana's doing Dargo's clothes, and so she's like, oh, so Chiana's the low man on the totem pole. (laughs) Right. And Chiana's, like, not having it. And then the other is that I honestly think instead of being like, oh, hey, wait your turn, Being like, oh, hey, there's plenty of room. Come on. You know, it really is like Chiana kind of searching for a connection. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. Chiana very easily could have been like, oh, hey, I'm doing it now. I'll be done in an hour or whatever. But instead, she's kind of like, hey, come on. Like, we can talk and hang out. Right. I don't know. So there's like there's a couple of things going on in that clip other than being hilarious.
1: The other thing we find out, though, is that Chiana likes Dargo. (laughs)
0: You know we kind of get a little bit of that the
1: in family ties when the when Dargo's like, "I want you to be safe and pretend that you were never with us so that we force you to do everything good here i I feel like from that conversation we've kind of get Shiana reciprocating a liking of dargo and i it's nothing open or anything I don't think it's like I don't know what it is right right now, but she likes him enough to do his laundry, so that's that's a pretty good
0: thing, right mhm-, yeah, for certain. I mean, definitely like the doing the laundry thing is, I mean, it's cute. Come on. That's adorable. (laughs) But also you get a through line for that because when Dargo comes back up on the ship, Rigel immediately comes in and he's like, oh, what are you doing? You want to sell your stuff to the old Luxon? I bet she'd pay a lot of money, you know. (laughs) And he's like, why don't you let me do the bargaining, Dargo, and I will get you a really good cut. And then Shiana just comes in and she like just covers Rigel's mouth. And she and Dargo have this conversation where Dargo's like, oh, hey, I'm going down to the planet. I'm going to do this ritual. And she's like, oh, cool. Is it safe? And he's like, yes. Yes. (laughs) yes (laughs) and he totally is like they
1: both know it both chiana and rigel know it and it's just like he wants to protect her and make her feel like it's okay and i think that's partially a reaction to how john reacted but at the same Mm -hmm. time it's like you know you don't want to worry the people that are staying behind but yeah she's she clearly comes in to see him and see how he's doing and what's going on Mm -hmm. yeah well
0: and also i don't know i think that it's interesting that at the end it's Rigel that is kind of like, I don't believe him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And Chiana kind of has this like look on her face like she's a little bit surprised at why Dargo would lie to her. Because up until now, he really has been like f- really straightforward.
1: Yeah. But at the same time, it's one of the situations where you can kind of tell why the person is lying to you. I hope Chiana knows why. I don't mm-hmm. know. But she does yeah. sense it. You can see it on her face. So... So that's what's happening on the ship. And so while the ritual is happening down on the planet and Neelam is doing the energy transfer with what she thinks is Dargo, turns out to be Moya, on the ship, Chiana is back to doing laundry in the Anexus fluid and she gets frozen in the Anexus fluid. And I want to play the clip right after that happens because this is more comedy gold. Sam, uh, Aaron? Mm,
2: need some help in here. Hey. <laughs> what have you done? Nothing. Well, you must have done something. I didn't do anything. It, it just froze up all around me. Get me out of here. When did I become your servant? Don't frill around. Just, just get me out of here, okay? No. What's the hurry, Chiana? You're not allergic to Moyes M-Nexus fluids, are you? Oh, yeah, very funny, Aaron. Look, can you please just do something sick? Finally,
1: someone who's a little more useful. What did she do? Oh, I didn't do anything. I just. Oh, poor Chiana. Oh, my God. Everyone
0: thinks that she's the one who did something. Poor girl. Oh, I just love that, like, both of them immediately <laughs> ask the same question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then oh, Aaron man. gives her crap about, you know, I thought you, we weren't allergic to the Nexus fluid.
0: <laughs> so funny. But I will say
1: this for Aaron even though she's giving Chiana a hard time, she does end up helping. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, for certain. Like, I think it's, and it very much more is like a teasing kind of thing. Like, you can see it on her face that she's just enjoying the turnaround. Yeah. She's not like, she's not like enjoying Chiana's pain, but she's just enjoying that she gets to use Chiana's line back at her. That's what gives her pleasure. Yes. (laughs) So when they ask Pilot what's going on, we find out that. Moya has been having a lot of symptoms of extreme aging. Mm-hmm. Um, the amnixus fluid freezing is a symptom of extreme aging, and Moya starts, Moya's outer hull starts disintegrating, mm-hmm. which is a symptom of extreme aging. And so, as viewers, it's pretty easy to put the pieces together. Yeah. Once Pilot says extreme aging. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I think the actual labeling it aging comes a little bit later. I think that's just, like the second conversation with Pilot. But they know something's wrong. Viewers viewers make the connection instantly. And of the crew, Dargo's the one who makes the connection first. But he doesn't bring it up with the crew. He brings it up with Neelam in private when Neelam comes up to help Mm -hmm. with Moya's symptoms. And I thought that was interesting because there's actually a lot of conversations Dargo has with Neelam in private. They're very confrontational and basically expressing the crew's point of view to her. But he Mm -hmm. always defends her publicly. He doesn't want anyone else talking to her that way which I just thought was an interesting mm-hmm. nuance, I guess.
0: I actually enjoyed that too. It reminded me a little bit of Scorpius's mistake with Krace last season, where he kind of confronted him in front of other people mm-hmm. rather than confronting him in private, and that immediately set Krace's hackles up. And I think that that's something that Darg is doing that's smart here because, number one, this is a holy woman to him. Right. This isn't just some rando. It's someone you respect. Yeah, it's someone he respects, and so I think that he... Wants to publicly protect her while at the same time acknowledging that there's something going on. Yeah. And so um, we actually get a really good confrontation when it becomes clear to Dargo and Nilam that it is what they did, that they did make a mistake. And he confronts her in private about it.
1: Yeah. Nilam has been trying to help just to set this up a little bit. She's tried some incantations that just made the situation worse. So here's the confrontation after they leave and go back to the temple.
2: Your transport powder, how far can it get us? Leave my friends. Some distance between me and Moya might stop the energy drain. I... And if it doesn't? Doggo, it is just a ship. Moya is not just a ship. She's alive, and you are taking her life to restore your own. For the life of a Leviathan for the life of an Oracan. How can an Oracan justify taking life? Have you forgotten who you are? Have you forgotten what I can do? I have not forgotten what you cannot do, which is restore Moya's life! Does that not suggest to you that you have taken something that you really should not have? I can't give it back now. I can't lose this. Lose you. Targo,
1: I don't know what to do. Tell me what to do. I love that scene because Dargo immediately rises to Moya's defense like she is so much more to him and to the crew than anyone else can understand and he doesn't let Neelam get away with stealing Moya's life you know and I love that whole Mm -hmm. conversation because of that and it really makes me Mm -hmm. uh, dislike Neelam for being so selfish it's an understandable selfishness, but it is still so completely selfish and arrogant. And, you know, I'm a better person than a, you
0: know, stupid Leviathan ship, you know, who cares about a ship? Uh, yeah. And I think it shows a really nice contrast between where Dargo was in even late season one with through the looking glass. And Mm -hmm. now where in through the looking glass. He was kind of like, oh, well, we're going to abandon Moya. Who cares? And then here he's kind of like, Moya is not just a ship. Because this is somebody, this is is almost a person to them at this point. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. this is, she's a physical presence and she's no longer just shelter and food and comfort and transport. Because now they've seen her give birth and they've seen her lose her baby and they've seen her make decisions that protected them at the cost of losing her baby and Mm -hmm. at the cost of, you know putting her own life in risk and so i think that his his kind of like this it's this visceral like yeah dargo yeah you know <laughs> as as viewers yeah. you know we're kind of getting that that nice that that nice kind of relationship you know the acknowledgement that it exists
1: right the acknowledgement is is really what it is and also just the fierceness of the defense and the following conversation with john also highlights that as well where they basically John and Dargo have the same conversation that Dargo just had with Neelam, where John is the one saying, we have to stop this. And Dargo's trying to get John to understand the context. And that's the scene that really, those two scenes are the ones that really stuck with me when, like when this episode came up again for our rewatch, I was like, oh yeah, this is what I remember about this episode is those fierce defenses mm. of Moya. I'm going to play the, the John scene because it's so good and it also this is another one of those John Dargo relationship moments and by the way if you are a John and Dargo shipper this is an episode for you
2: we're out of time Moyes Hall is deteriorating fast and Pilot can't do a thing you know what's causing it John Neelam isn't evil that doesn't change anything Moya pilot Aaron. They will never forgive her. They may never even forgive me. But you. You must understand. I understand. What she's doing is killing Moya. She didn't mean it. Doesn't matter. She honestly thought that it was my energy to restore to youth. She's trying everything she can to restore Moya's health. Dargo, I don't know. What she intended, what I know, is that it's murder. And you're the only one who can stop it. Don't you think I know what has to be done?
1: Yeah, the it's murder. Like, that's another very visceral defense of Moya because she is this whole being that she is being killed intentionally whether through Mm -hmm. good intentions or bad it's still intentional by Neelam for for not you know Neelam wants to have her cake and eat it too but that scene Mm -hmm. just is so intense between John and Dargo and the end of it Dargo breaks down and he knows that he has to to stop Neelam and force the the final ritual where she dies and he doesn't want to and it's like he's clicked with her you know like John clicked with Jelena this is Dargo clicking with Neelam and he likes her and he doesn't want her to go away but he knows it's the only way and it's just it's kind of heartbreaking and at the end this you know he's trying not to cry about it and really upset and John is just sits next to him doesn't say anything and is just there as a presence for Dargo to help him through mm-hmm. this difficult this difficult decision and difficult action that he has to take.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that it is a really good moment of friendship between them. And I also think it's a good example of your private life versus your public life. Mm-hmm. Because I think that in private, Dargo is having these extreme doubts. And Dargo understands that what they did was wrong and that what they did is killing Moya. But at the same time, in public, he still feels the need to defend his people and to defend Nilam, Yeah. Because I think that she she genuinely represents kind of his past and his who he strives to be. Like he yeah. strives to be the sort of person that an Orican would voluntarily choose to help with the final ritual, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, that makes sense. He wants to live up to the ideal. And... That's the thing about that conversation, too, that kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about context. He's trying to provide context for Neelam's actions. Like, she didn't mean to. It was an honest mistake. You can't blame her for it. But, and this is what John's point is, sure, her intentions were not terrible, but it doesn't matter at a certain point. All that matters is that now she knows that it was a mistake. She has to correct it. And Dargo's the only one who can can make that happen, make Neelam follow mm-hmm. through with a, the ritual of ascending, dying, whatever that is. Yeah,
0: the final ritual. So then they do the the final ritual and I want to talk about the CGI now. Okay. Because <laughs> I've had so many issues with the CGI in this episode. They do this ritual where Nilam like ends up killing herself on the sword. She ends up like thrusting herself on Dargo's blade. A single drop of her blood falls to the floor. In that drop We see her face, then the drop of blood explodes into crystalline, whatever. (laughs) And I am like, what did I just watch? This was stupid.
1: Okay. And her hand going through Dargo's chest earlier didn't bother you?
0: No, no. Her hand, because that wasn't like, that wasn't legitimately bad. That was just her hand <laughs> disappearing into his chest, right? Okay. The crystalline cracking, whatever. I'm like, what? <laughs> okay, because then it's topped off by earlier. We kind of forgot to mention it, but I actually do want to chat about it a little bit. So Aaron finds out that the reason Moya is having all these problems is when leviathans age. Like when leviathans near death, they show all these symptoms that Moya is currently showing. And immediately Aaron's like... Oh, must be Nilam, And so she takes her like gun okay, and she I, goes after. Can I pause
1: you for a second?
0: Because she yeah. finds out
1: from Pilot who wants to talk to Aaron privately. And Pilot is sick too. And that's the line that's like, oh, hell no. You did not just hurt Pilot. <laughs> In addition okay. to Maya. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I will actually give you that. That it is more like her seeing pilot kind of and her being like, what? No. So then she immediately sprints down. And then with like no conversation, because she finds out that um, Neelam and Dargu are like leaving. And she's like, well, I'm not going to let him leave. So then she immediately like sprints down and then she doesn't have any sort of conversation. She doesn't do anything. She just immediately is like, bam, and she shoots her gun. And I was like, that was a little preemptive.
1: Yeah, but it's totally Aaron, and I could totally see it like, okay, the line has been crossed. I'm not letting her get away with it. Dargo's not helping in the situation so I'm going to handle it kind of thing and especially with pilot's life okay online, I, I mean she's totally going to go to bat for pilot and Moya that hit her in the gut
0: yeah I mean I will give you don't get me wrong like I definitely agree that she did not like it that it was a line for her that she did not enjoy being crossed but at the same time I was kind of like whoa like slow your roll girl like <laughs> at least talk to her before you shoot her I don't know anyway yeah. so so Aaron shoots her and Dargo jumps in front of it and Aaron has like a millisecond to like feel bad about that like the expression on her face is like i feel bad and then the and then <laughs> nilam freezes everybody in crystal okay yeah <laughs> like this was not uh, first skip sometimes does slow-mo well i will argue this was not a time when it did it well yeah. because dargo sprinted in like in the time it was supposed to take aaron's pulse cannon whatever it is to hit nilam Dargo had time to jump in front of the bullet, even though he was several steps away. Okay. And Aaron had a chance to feel bad about it on her face. <laughs> and then Neelam froze everybody. I'm like, okay, <laughs> sure. Um, and then Neelam like freezes them in this crystal. That you could totally tell was like... Uh, holds him. Yeah, like holds them. And then the crystal shatters eventually, like after Neelam and Darga have escaped. And it's like that sort of CGI, plus the CGI of like this drop of blood. I'm kind of like, I don't know. It was not their best CGI.
1: <laughs> no, but that's okay. So anyway, oh, one last thing to mention because it's hilarious. So Rigel's contribution to helping with the whole situation when there's a hole breach and there's an inner hole breach... And he's being sucked away by the vacuum because John can only hold his throne sled and can't get a hold of Rigel. So yeah, Rigel becomes a butt plug. <laughs> and yes, I've been waiting all, all episode to use that pun. <laughs> he gets stuck in the hole and effectively seals it. <laughs> oh my god,
0: it's so amazing. And like he keeps trying to like wiggle and John is like, don't move. And Rigel's like, I can't breathe. And John says, Then don't breathe. Anyway,
1: I love so Rigel. good.
0: And actually, I want to play another clip that's comedy gold, in my opinion. And it's after Aaron has been trying for a really long time to get Chiana out of the out of the solidified Amnexus fluid. Is this a
2: good time to tell you that uh, I can't feel my feet? If we had any idea how Moya you made it, we could patent this stuff. Useless. Wonder if I've got any grenades left. She was kidding, right?
1: Tell me that she was kidding.
2: Well, with Aaron, you never know.
1: <laughs> yeah, so poor Chiada is stuck there while they're all just talking around her and Aaron's going to go get grenades. Oh, oh my, my gosh.
0: Goodness. I love yeah. it. I just love it. Oh, I'm just dying. Yeah. No, these are the
1: elements that that make this episode fun, you know? And that's why what I was saying there's a lot of good bits in it. And while I take your point that it's not their best episode... Those are the little pieces that that still make it fun for me. This and the Dargo and John character stuff.
0: Yeah, I I will agree. I mean, I think that it's. Let me put it this way. I didn't I didn't love it, but it's also not like a bad episode. Do you know what I mean? Right.
1: I didn't actively hate it while I was watching it, which does happen with Farscape episodes from time to time.
0: Yeah, I mean, there definitely have been some episodes that I was like, I am not enjoying putting this in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and this was not one of those like I didn't hate it at all all right let's see on white shirt watch John is we, wardrobe we watch talk about now how... oh yeah I'm sorry okay on wardrobe watch John is in all leather he's got this cool coat on I don't know what would you call it like mm-hmm. a duster it's a
1: it's a yeah it's like a great long coat I don't think it's completely leather but it's very long and flowy and you know all peacekeeper black all the time. His hair's all spiky. He's clearly dug through the Peacekeeper stores, which I think is how the the showrunners and the writers at the time hand waved costume change.
0: It looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Zan is in this like blue dress with like an Egyptian kind of neck thing going on, and she's got like Wonder Woman bracelets. and I'm kind of digging it. You know, I, I miss her old like robe thing, but I still like this a lot.
1: Yeah, and then at the beginning of the episode, Dargo's wearing this really weird, like, leopard print poncho. Oh,
0: <laughs> like, well, Dargo. I mean, oh the planet's god. supposed to be really cold, but it looks ridiculous. I know, and I'm like, where did it come from? Oh my god, okay. <laughs> so, alright, so what'd you think of this episode? So I give this one a three. Like, I like a lot of
1: it. As I said, I'm probably one of the few people in fandom that genuinely likes this episode, but it isn't. It isn't brilliant or anything. There's just lots of funny bits. There's lots of a couple good character bits. In terms of like overall continuity, I like how it hangs the continuity, but there's nothing particularly pushed forward. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. In terms of the long-term story arc. And maybe I say that knowing too much about the show. What'd you
0: think? (laughs) Yeah, I'd go with like a two, like a two and a half, maybe. Like I said, I didn't hate it. It wasn't like a zero. It was just kind of like a, it was just kind of like an average episode. Yeah, definitely. All right. So
1: that's our show. And we're watching Taking the Stone next week. And if you want to follow us online, we are at Farscape Friday Podcast at gmail.com, at tumblr.com, at dreamwith.com, and Farscape Friday on Twitter. And if you like us, rate us on iTunes. You can su- subscribe to us on iTunes or on
0: Simplecast. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye bye. Oh!